As soon as a lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, and he fell on his face to the ground. He bowed down three times. And this bowing down three times was an acknowledgement of the prince's authority over David. Even though David would ultimately have authority over him not too many years from then, and certainly Jonathan would die with his father, of course, but David was willing to submit to this man, even though that man was willing to submit to David. Isn't that kind of interesting? They both loved each other enough. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Scripture tells us that Jonathan and David made up a signal between each other to let David know if Saul was still angry with David and pursuing him. A small thing like a signal of a single arrow told David his whole life was changed. He would no longer be welcome at the palace or be welcomed among the army of Israel. David was now a fugitive on the run from an angry, jealous king determined to destroy him. Sometimes our lives can turn on one occurrence. As students of the Bible, we know that God is always in control and we should look to him for guidance in any and every circumstance. Knowledge joined Pastor Rob. He lame and he couldn't walk again. But David, in 2 Samuel 9, he takes care of Mephibosheth. He, he comes through with this promise, that, this oath that he made with Jonathan. And he not only did that, but he let him eat. Mephibosheth would eat at David's own table. He would restore his family's land to him, provide him with servants to take care of his crops and, and take care of him. And again, what a wonderful character David had. Wonderful character. And I love that. Let us be people who are true to our word. There used to be a day when a word between two men or two women, that would be their bond. That, that there, wouldn't, there wouldn't even be need for contracts. A man could look at another man and shake his hand in the presence of a couple people, or even without uh, uh, in the presence, and it would be done. And they would follow through on that. Not anymore. We become such vile truce breakers. The devil has created havoc in the human race. That's why it's necessary, it's, it's needful. We must be born again because that's who we are outside of Christ, a bunch of rebels, rebels. And I was one of them. I remember my old life. I remember the way I was. Do anything to get ahead. Such were some of us, Amen. So Jonathan, verse 16, made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. And so now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, and he loved him as he loved his own soul. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, it says this about their friendship, about the love they had. 
It was a song that David wrote when Jonathan and Saul died, and part of it was uh, in verse 26 of 2 Samuel 1. It says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. This is David's song. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. That's pretty extravagant. That's a holy love, folks. That is amazing. Amazing love. It was a holy, pure love, too. It was a good thing. Then Jonathan said to David, verse 18, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you'll be missed, because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed, and remain by the stone Ezel. Ezel means departure. It was named that because this is going to be the stone where Jonathan and David would depart from one another and at that point, again, they, they, they had no intention, no thoughts of ever seeing each other again until the kingdom. That's why I labeled this passage, until we meet again in the kingdom. David and Jonathan knew that we're probably not going to see each other, and that's what made this whole thing so bittersweet. I want you to see that tonight as we read it. It's really touching moment in David's life and Jonathan's life. He says, then I will shoot arrows, uh, uh, Jonathan said to David, then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target. Verse 21, and there I will send a lad saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, look, the arrows are on this side of you, go get them and come, then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if you say to this young man, look, the arrows are beyond you, then go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you have, um, you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. <laughs> what an amazing thing. And so David and Jonathan, uh, here they concoct this plan that they, they'll be able to communicate, that Jonathan will be able to communicate whether David is supposed to come back and everything is fine or just the opposite. That he should leave and flee because my father Saul is going to kill you. And so they, they make this. So then, verse 24, David hid in the field. And when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat, as at other times, on a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. And nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He is unclean, surely he is unclean. He's thinking that maybe something happened where, you know, David was um, unclean, you know, physically or something like that, or even sexually or something. Uh, Leviticus 15, uh, verses 2 through 16, gives the, the different things that could cause something like that. But they'd be unclean for a day, and they'd have to wash their clothes and bathe. So that's what Saul's thinking. But then in verse 27, and it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, where, where, why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, either yesterday or today? And again, notice how he belittles him. He doesn't say David. He doesn't give him the proper dignity of saying who he is. The son of Jesse. It's like, he just, you know, whoever. What's his name again? You know, it's kind of like that kind of attitude. You know, Saul always was... Uh, pulling himself or pushing himself up and wanting to decrease David in any way. That's why he wanted to kill him. He was jealous of him. So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission for me to go to Bethlehem. And here is where the lie comes out. And this was a prearranged lie, and it's a topic, honestly, that's difficult. You know, is it permissible to lie, to protect life, and to protect the innocent? Although lying is a sin... <laughs> I believe there are situations that warrant it to protect the innocent and to protect a life. 
Think of what Rahab did when she brought in the two spies, hid them under the sheaves on, on the top of her roof before, as they were spying out the land, those two, those two men. While they were still hiding up, up top, men came to the door and said, where are the two men that came? Oh, they slipped away. You better go catch them. They're probably, you can probably gain on them if you go now. She lied to protect them. Was it a sin? Yes. But, but God. <laughs> I, I think, and here's my perspective, folks, and, and, and you know there's, there's times like that where we have to do that. I would rather lie and protect an innocent, especially when it comes to life and death, and ask God to forgive me afterwards than to let that lie, innocent life die in the hands of an evil person. You know, think how many times it happened in Nazi Germany when Corey Ten Boom, as they were hiding in the secret place, they had that false wall, remember? What happens if one of them said, yeah, I, there's a false wall there, go behind the wall. Yeah, you're not lying, but now you just caused a family to lose their life, innocent people. I would rather protect them and then say, God, I lied, and I would do it again, but forgive me. <laughs> you may differ, and that's okay, but I, that's where I stand. And uh, lying is always a sin. It is. But I think there are times where it's warranted in situations like, um, like Rahab, for instance. I don't know so much about David. I mean, David wasn't any, he thought he was in mortal danger. Um, but anyway, God is, he works in the hearts of men. And it's a difficult topic. I won't, I, I won't uh, lie to you in that. It's, it's a very difficult thing. But I think you understand what I'm talking about. Or at least I hope you do. So, and he said, please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice. So Jonathan's telling Saul this, and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. So he, he tells the, the king this lie. And then Saul's anger was aroused, aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, did I not, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to your shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Well, he's a really conflicted man. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can try to cover up all we want. We can try covering it up, but eventually our real heart will expose us. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. We, we talk about the things that are really important to us. And you spend any time with somebody, and you, you, you get to find out who they really are. You get to find out what really makes them tick. It's interesting that Saul is not only angry with Jonathan, but he also derides, derides Jonathan's mother. Ahinoam was her name. And in the Middle East, to speak poorly of someone's mother in this way was the ultimate in disgrace. It was just something you, you never did. And so it, and, uh, and there's a possibility that maybe, and again, we, don't, we can't prove this, so there, you, know, you can't build doctrine upon this, but it's possible that Jonathan and maybe his mother felt the same way, that Saul was coming unhinged. We don't really know. 
But notice what he said to Jonathan. He says, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Saul is sort of giving Jonathan an ultimatum, isn't he? It's either the kingdom, Jonathan, the kingdom and the throne, or your friendship with David. What's it going to be? It can't be both. You have to make a decision. And he's given him an ultimatum. What's it going to be, Jonathan? And for Jonathan, the matter had already been established a long time ago. When he saw David come off the battlefield with Goliath's head in his hand, right then he said, that's the man I'll follow. (laughs) That's the man I'm going to follow. Saul was coming unhinged. But Jonathan was not eager to have the throne of his father. He was more willing to be subordinate to David, the rightful heir. In Psalm 75, it says, For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. That's just the truth. And Jonathan certainly knew that. So, he says, Send and bring him to me, Saul says, for he shall surely die. Didn't he make a a covenant? Didn't he make a vow in chapter 19, verse 6? Didn't we just read that? What did he say? He said to Jonathan, he said, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. And he swore this. So now he's a, he has, it vows me nothing to Saul, and such is true of a man who is given over completely to anger and giving over to malice and given over to jealousy and rage. His oaths meant nothing. Jesus told us not to vow. He said, Again, you've heard it was said, this is in Matthew 5, that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say unto you, don't swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Whatever is more than this is from the evil one. It's better not to make a vow than to vow. And not follow through. So Jonathan answered, verse 32, and said to his father, he said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? And then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. Isn't that amazing? He would be willing to throw the spear at his own son. He was so filled with anger and rage. Even anybody allied with David was a threat to him. And he wanted to seek to kill them. That's when you know things have gotten way too far out of hand. That's when you know you better stop, drop, and pray. (laughs) Stop, drop, and pray. So Jonathan arose, verse 34, from the table, notice, in fierce anger. And I would be too. He rose in fierce anger. Not only did he insult his mother, he insulted the man he really loved. And he was just breaking his oaths that he had made. And Jonathan's looking at his father going, what is, you've become everything that I would not want to be. I mean, he didn't say that, but his rage showed that. You know, you talk about my mother like that. You talk about David like he's done nothing. He's done everything for you. You haven't had to do anything. He would do everything for you. And now you're going to kill me? 
So he was in fierce anger. He ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad was with him. So then he said to the lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow behind you or beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, don't delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master, but the lad did not know anything. He was completely oblivious to this plot that he and David had made. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. So then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, Go carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad had gone... And just picture this in your head. You know, David is in Israel, in the fields, there's all kinds of caves and rocks and places to hide in different places. The, the terrain is really wonderful and easy to hide, especially when you're in the area that David is in. It's a very interesting place. And this young kid was unaware of the signals that, that were, the, the communication that was happening, and it had to be that way. So he, he gathers the arrows. The signal's been given and David, I'm sure, is behind the rock or wherever he was, and he's just his head is hanging low, and he sees the kid take off, and Jonathan comes over. And think of this. I mean, this is one of the most touching passages, I think, in the Scripture, one of the most touching ones. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, and he fell on his face to the ground. He bowed down three times. And this bowing down three times was an acknowledgment of the prince's authority over David. Even though David would ultimately have authority over him not too many years from then, and certainly Jonathan would die with his father, of course, but David was willing to submit to this man, even though that man was willing to submit to David. Isn't that kind of interesting? They both loved each other enough. That is really something, folks. I, you know, if you get a friend like that, Hang on to him. Do everything you can to, to encourage that kind of friendship. It's, it's just so rare today. It's just so rare. So they kissed one another, and they wept together, and David more so. And then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. And so he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. And you just, you, you think of this, it's just an amazing chapter of just this wonderful friendship. And, and Jonathan being so naive to, about his father and really the character of his father. So much to learn there. So much to learn there about our own selves and how we would respond. Put yourself in Jonathan's shoes. How would you respond? Knowing that you're the king's son, that when the king dies, you're probably going to get the throne. And Jonathan could have been completely somebody different. He could have been a power-hungry mongrel like somebody else. He could have been that way. And he could have killed David. It's a mystery, isn't it? It really is a mystery how God works all this out. And all of this, all these things were hinged. So many things could have changed had it not been for this great friendship between Jonathan and, and David. Again, cherish those relationships, folks, with your family, your friends, your, 
whoever it is. Don't lose sight of them. Try to heal them. Have you hurt somebody? Go to them. Tell them. Try to win them back. We, we don't do that too much anymore. When we have a problem, we run away. It happens in churches, too. You hurt my feelings, I'm gone. I'm going to the next church. They take the hurt with them. And then they go to that church, and they have this bitterness of soul, and they hurt somebody over there. Well, I'm leaving this church, and they go somewhere else, and they do the same thing. And they just keep hopping around, hopping around, taking their wicked heart wherever they go, and they never deal with it. They never deal with it. So important for us to do that. Even regardless of friendships, because who is the friend that sticks closer than a brother to us? It's Jesus. And he wants to continue to mold and shape us. He wants to sanctify us. And isn't that what it really is, sanctification? It's coming to terms with who I really am and who God is and the great gulf between. And then resting in him, trusting in him, and saying, Lord, change me. And, and once you're saved and you got the spirit of God dwelling in you, now you have the ability for the first time in your life to really resist. You have the power to resist. You don't have to sin. And when you do, you confess it. And he's faithful and, 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 and trustworthy to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, isn't he? And I love that about the Lord. That's the way he is. He loves this idea of friendship, and he loves us more than, you could, than any of us can possibly imagine. I love the love of God. It's something I don't deserve. It's something I could never deserve. But when I see a relationship like this with Dave and Jonathan, you know, they're, they're really, from this point, they, they really, they're really believing until we meet again in the kingdom, David, as they were at that rock out in the field. That's why David wept so hard. They knew this is the day that they had to part, and they would probably never see each other again. They do see each other one more time. Jonathan seeks him out while he's on the run from his father. We'll see that in chapter 23. But it's a brief thing. And then after that, they don't see each other ever again. They're in front of each other right now, though. Because Jonathan died in battle, and so did David. And I believe Jonathan was a believer. And David, of course, he's in glory. And they are together serving their king. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this example. Lord, I confess I've never had a... uh, never had a friend like this. I I think that there may have been people in my life that would have liked to have had that that kind of friendship, Lord, and for whatever reason, Lord, I just was not quite there. And only you know the reason for these things. But, Lord, I pray for each of us, Lord, that, that we would, in order to be friendly, we have to be a friend. In order to have a friend, we have to be friendly. Lord, help us to to love people, and to grow in these friendships and this fellowship that you've called us, that we could walk in the light as, as you are in the light, Lord, and that we can have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Lord, be the light of, our, of everything we are. Keep us, Lord. 
And thank you again for this passage. And teach us, Lord, again. Continue to teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.